0: Welcome to Dreammakers, candid conversations with women that will change the way that you see success, purpose, and what it takes to bridge the two. I'm Neha Sampat, a three-time tech founder and CEO with a focus on companies that are places to dream big, build up, and be a good human. I'm CEO of ContentStack and also a certified sommelier, so yes, we drink wine here. I'm joined today by Jen Root, The co-founder and CMO of Manifest Commerce, a sustainable logistics solution for retailers. In her words, they help clients green their whole supply chain. Today, we're going to talk about building businesses for good, storytelling, and a realistic approach to changing the world. (laughs) Let's get started. Hi, Jen.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here.
0: So I'd love for you to start with one of your favorite stories, and we had talked about this earlier Tell us about what your mom taught you about changing the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my mother was very much an inspiration to me growing up and still is like my words of encouragement and my biggest cheerleader. So Everyone always asks, "What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up?" And my answer was always, "Well, I want to change the world." And you know, my mom would always joke and and be like, "Well, Jenny, you know, you better get to work because there's a lot of work to do. You know, that's that's one big feat. Better get to work." So, I think that's really something that shook me into gear and you know, led me in the right direction.
0: It helped you focus on on a specific cause, or at least to bite off a piece of a, a bigger problem.
1: Yeah, yeah. And she was always very like, all right, that's good. Well, better get to it, you know, and that's just always been her approach to things. These were hard times back then. Michael Jackson's Heal the World was a popular song. And like, those lyrics are so good. It's like, heal the world, make Make it a a better better place." place. And then the next line, you remember the next line?
0: For you and for me.
1: For you and for me. And for the entire human race. But I was like, wow, this is going on in the world, and what can I do to make a difference? So that would always be my answer. I don't know what I want to do, but I know I want to change the world. I don't know what that means, but that's what I want to do and how I want to approach business.
0: And you've obviously started to do that in more ways than one, and we'll get into some of that. But let's start with the wine. So I have a bottle of 2021 Corn, Napa Valley Sauvignon Blanc. Duckhorn, great vineyard. We actually do a lot of work with them at Content Stack. They host some of our events. And if you've seen Decoy at the grocery store, it's like the little brother or little sister to Duckhorn. So it's kind of their one step down from from a Duckhorn. But this is a really nice, easy to drink, simple wine, great for an afternoon. And what I typically get in, in these, I mean, Sauvignon Blanc in general, you always get some of that acidity, the lemon sometimes pineapple, but this one actually I get a little bit of grapefruit and, and definitely pineapple is coming across too, maybe a little passion fruit.
1: Mm, I do smell that passion fruit. Yeah. It's good.
0: A nice one. It's nice and fresh. Cheers. 2021. So very new. Mm. Very young.
1: That is nice. That has a little like citrus to it or something too. That's good.
0: Yeah. And you can tell when there's a lot of acidity in a wine, that salivation that happens on the two sides of your mouth. You can tell it's an acidic wine and it usually goes well with acidic foods and you want to cut through the acidity with something that's acidic. But this is one of my favorite go-tos for an afternoon wine and accessible because you, you know, being in the U.S., it's pretty easy to get a hold of it.
1: Yeah, that's good. So what would you recommend pairing it with? Something acidic. What about with a chocolate or something?
0: So because of the acidity, I would do less of the sweet, and maybe something, maybe like a really nice cheese that cuts through that acid. If you wanted to do something sweet, you could do like a citrusy sweet, like a lemon tart or something like that. Because acid and acid tend to go well together.
1: Nice. When you have
0: like the red acidic wines, it goes well with like a red sauce, like a tomato sauce because of the acidity that comes through in a tomato.
1: Oh, I never knew that. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll break out the cheeses later then.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about your exposure to entrepreneurship. At a very early age, and you kind of talked about it a bit, you were exposed to the concept of environmental sustainability, and your father had a business that you were exposed to as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how it inspired you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So my father was in construction pretty much his whole adult life. Prior to that, from South Jersey, he was a mushroom farmer. So, you know, there was this very interesting kind of like two different career paths happening. He was a farmer, grew up in Amish country, basically rural Pennsylvania then got into engineering and construction and took that career path and eventually started a concrete company called American Concrete. And we were a very connected family. We would sit down and have dinner every single night and, you know, talk about our day and all of that. And I very fondly remember him talking about his work doing concrete and construction around a lot of our wetlands and preservation and restoration, reforestation, that type of work because what would happen as his company grew, they would start to, you know, work on roads or work on asphalt and have to do a lot of work where they're like the Delaware River comes through and there's like marsh and swamp and cranberry bogs blueberry fields. And so what he would do essentially is where they could, they would avoid doing anything with any protected, well, if it was protected, they couldn't do it. But there is so much land that they would have to build through it sometimes, but they would recreate it. So they would basically do, you know, if they take out this, they have to rebuild this. They had to pave something, then whatever they affected there they would have to rebuild exactly the same type of environment somewhere else so there was a lot of preservation happening but the biggest lesson growing up was okay yeah if we do something and affect the land here then we have to make sure that we're repairing it so it was kind of like what a lot of the large reforestation projects are doing on a smaller scale in south jersey in the wetland area there
0: That's super interesting. It's like when we were talking about Michael Jackson, it's heal the world, right? If you, if you break something, fix it. If you do something, undo it, that kind of thing.
1: It's responsibility and it's like accountability. And I think we need more of that. So those lessons were very apparent early on from my household and from my father specifically.
0: That's awesome. Well, why don't you level set with us a little bit and paint the picture of what a dirty supply chain really looks like and transforming that to something green. What's the difference?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's our mission. Like at Manifest Commerce, we're really looking under the hood of the supply chain our piece of the puzzle, we do fulfillment. So, you know, if a merchant or a brand is selling product online or selling in Omnichannel and Nordstrom and Macy's, then we'll do the order distribution to those B2B facilities. And we'll also do the order distribution to the customer. We think about where product starts from. For us, retail supply chain, it starts with manufacturing and the making of products. So, you know, something is made, it's created. That's over 800 million tons of carbon per year on average for like retail manufacturing. Then all of that product, say it's manufactured in China. Traditionally, that's where a lot of product is made. Then it sits on an ocean freight, and it works its way over to the United States, typically through the port of Long Beach. But you see these ocean freights that are lined up, waiting, because there's labor shortages, there's supply chain strain, like you hear it in the news all the time. So that ocean freight, there's something called marine carbon, and it's black carbon. That is bad. In addition to the Pacific Garbage Patch and all that garbage that's floating around, this marine ocean freight, black carbon, that's like another 18 tons, some you know crazy amount of carbon. But there's like marine time coalitions and there's different ocean freight liners that are green. So there's alternatives that exist. But a lot of times a company is just like, Operating on autopilot, they don't know that those solutions exist. So it's just, it's just a lack of knowledge, and it's just how we've done things. It's like, oh, we've always done things that way. And then port, there's a lot of port cities. Typically, the air is uh, not as clean in those port cities. And then container freight, that's another part of the supply chain. Warehousing, and like, that's where we take over is the warehousing. So then the goods finally make it to the warehouse, the orders come in, and then that's when stuff gets distributed. So as far as the cleaner way to do that, there's manufacturers that are recreating products from ocean-bound plastics. So we work with a manufacturer called Platform 88 that does a lot of upcycling for Starbucks cups. And they create barbecue utensils out of used Starbucks cups. They're just as strong. They work just as good. And they create a number of reusable, upcycled plastic. There's plenty of yeah. plastic in the world we don't need to create anymore. Yeah. So that's the solution in manufacturing. Now, not every merchant, not every procurement person, not every supply chain director knows about these You know, little pockets of kind of green savings that exists in the supply chain. So it's just a matter of education and awareness. And we vote yeah. with our dollars. So the more we yeah. start shifting towards sustainable practices as consumers, it'll like shift the supply chain and shift those merchants into that direction too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You were talking about the origin of manifest commerce as something that you kind of fell into. And I think you actually said, oh, I guess we're building a business.
1: <laughs> Share that story with us. My business partner, George. So George Wojciechowski, he's the co-founder of ShipBob. Now, ShipBob is one of the largest, large 3PLs that, you know, they were founded in 2014 and, you know, built, built, built so quickly. I partnered with George on some e-commerce strategy projects that I was doing in the agency world. So I have a background in e-commerce strategy, growth strategy, and that's always parallel path to my humanitarian sustainability projects, all the stuff that I've ever done for personal. And then sometimes those projects yield income or another revenue stream or something. But George was a key partner of mine when I was in the agency world. And he left ShipBob bob but when he was leaving, I was also leaving the agency project, and we worked you know well together as partners. I would work with the brand on growth. I would refer them to George to do the fulfillment and the warehousing distribution, all of that. Now I messaged him I was like hey i 'm leaving i 'm going into consulting i 'm working on a couple of humanitarian projects. please keep in touch. you know always enjoyed working with you." Here's my personal cell, personal email, blah, blah, blah. Within like minutes, he's like, um, I'm leaving ship, Bob, and was just about to send you a message to be, <laughs> so it's what I like to think of as, uh, are you familiar with the term uh, kismet? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's just when that blessing or that moment happens and you're like, what? What?
0: Meant to be. Oh.
1: Yeah. We call the business manifest like a ship manifest. So it's like manifest destiny.
0: Yeah. Sometimes yeah. things just manifest into reality, too, when you, when you start to think of them or you write them down or, you know, we've talked about that on this podcast before, too.
1: hundred percent. That's part of dream making, essentially. You know, it starts as a thought. It starts as an idea.
0: I totally agree with that.
1: Yeah. Happy accident. Happy accident.
0: <laughs> In reality, your journey to this business, to manifest commerce, was a result of this whole common thread throughout your life. And you always knew your values. You've kind of touched on this, but what would you say is your
1: purpose? So I believe that there is potential for change and transformation for challenges that we're facing as individuals, for challenges that we're facing as an economy, for challenges that we're facing as a community. I believe that there's nothing that's like unsolvable, by putting, you know, really good people on a project together. So I think, you know, my purpose really is to bring people together to solve big problems and to have fun while doing it. When we were prepping for this show today... I was joking with your team. There's a quote from Evie White that I just love, and you know, Evie White is the mind behind Charlotte's Web, which is such an endearing story. I love. I cry every oh. time. Still like a baby. <laughs> but he says that he wakes up every morning determined to have one hell of a good time and to change the world, and it makes planning his day very difficult. <laughs> and I remember being like. Uh, that is me, but also it doesn't have to make planning your day difficult. What if you just combine the two? What if you do what you love, make a difference, make an impact and yeah. have fun while doing it?
0: We talk about at content we have this whole concept of one team, one dream, and every now and then someone will, will call me on and say, well, well, what's the dream? And and I always say, outside of all the product stuff, it's about kicking ass, having fun, building a high-performing team and product, right? It's the journey and enjoying the journey, but knowing that you're impacting people's lives along the way. And I think it's, it's just so important. We have such a limited time here that you have to do something impactful and significant as a part of all the hard work that you put in. A
1: hundred percent. I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. And we might as well have fun while we're doing it.
0: Totally. Where are you today in your quest to green the chain?
1: When we look at the portion that we are in control of, we're doing projects like reforestation projects in the Amazon. Um, So that's part of the mission and part of the journey to green the supply chain. These things are a challenge to measure Carbon is measured in pounds. And when you do a reforestation project, it's not like one tree gets rid of that carbon because the carbon has already been exposed into the environment. So you're offsetting the carbon. So Uh there's also this proactive approach now that we're looking at to introduce biofuels as part of the last mile delivery service. How do we make that part of the norm and part of the general offering for shipping? Is it integration in your shipping platform and your shipping choice? Yes, you choose biofuels and then the consumer has the extra, extra cost or extra charge type Mm -hmm. of piece. So we're looking at the pieces that like we can control today, like zero plastics in all of our packaging, but it's all about partnerships. The way we think about it is like a rising tide lifts all boats and we're all different cogs in the supply chain wheel. So how yes. do we all come together and create solutions as a whole? Because the power of many, you know, is very much like you mentioned, one team, one dream.
0: It's a ginormous problem. It's not something that one company or one team can solve. It needs to be an effort that many forces are behind. hmm. What areas do you have to combat resistance, you know, from potential retails or other prospects that you're talking to? Like, where do you run into resistance?
1: Yeah. So a lot of the resistance is in the resistance to change. Status quo. Always that. (laughs) Like challenge status quo. Yeah. Always. 100%. Sometimes one of those misconceptions is if we're doing this sustainably, it's got to cost more, right? Don't the materials cost more? Um, but no, that's not the case. You know, we've found ways to really mitigate costs and offset costs in other areas. Like We have robotics in the warehouse, so that helps with labor significantly, and that also helps with energy savings significantly. So, you know, the, the cost piece isn't an issue. The biggest piece is something is working well and it's working good enough. Stuff's moving and shaking on its way to consumers and they don't want to pull that plug because our piece is an important part.
0: I imagine it's a big mindset shift. And if there's not an incentive that isn't potentially monetary, there might not be a reason to do it or to make the shift. (laughs) And it's, I guess, partially a lot about just education. Like if you, you have it in your soul to do good and to make the world better, but not everybody has that thread. And it's a lot about just convincing and educating and shifting that mindset.
1: hundred percent. And then it comes down to branding too. So there's brands that are 100% sustainable in and out. You look at like the Toms of the world. They don't want their product getting shipped to their customers with tape and you know sometimes you see like a tiny little lipstick and a box this big and stuff like that it's a part of their brand integrity people are are buying and making a choice to buy something that is sustainable
0: those are the change makers that are paving the path and like really showing that it's possible and that it's good and it's good for business too
1: Absolutely, And that's our natural market, you know? Yeah. We're not working with those big brands as of yet. We're still very much in growth mode, but there are a lot of brands that are moving and shaking like uh, like Thousand Fell Shoes. They're awesome. They have like upcycling component to them where you only need one pair of sneakers. After your sneakers are beat up, you send them back. They break them down. They make a new pair of sneakers. That's so cool. they're doing gangbusters. They're in Bloomingdale's. They're starting to take off online. So we have a lot of customers like that that are starting to rise above the status quo and really starting to make some noise and like wave green flags. So it's been a fun journey. So resistance really is in the desire to change something that's already working good enough for, for a brand.
0: And settling really.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
0: Manifest Commerce isn't your first company, you have kind of have this common thread of doing good and, and making change and, and pushing things forward. And you've started a couple. So tell us a little bit more about those other do good companies.
1: Yeah, so my first business, I had a cosmetics line in Hawaii. It was called Lady B Cosmetics. And it was sourced from like all natural materials and everything. I did some work with Dior. Quite a bit, so, like I learned you know like kind of what was in stuff and how to formulate stuff, and you know we we did well, we had a good wholesale business going, so that was kind of the first venture that I did on my own, and then also in Hawaii, I became interested in the news and media, because um, mm-hmm. I think, as I mentioned earlier, i don't watch the news anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I scroll to make sure the world's not going to blow up that day or that, you know, there's no weird weather or anything. And then I'm like, okay, you know what's going on. It's not good, but (laughs) what can I do? I can do this piece of it. Um, So the second company was a, it was a media program. It was called under the rainbow. And we would share the good news of the community, people that were giving back people that were making a difference. And it was more just like a community. And then when I moved to San Diego, I ended up starting a news publication here as well called Delmar Lifestyle, local publication. Um, As part of that, too, we did a radio show and that was more business focused. People that were giving back in the business community, making a difference, sharing, getting the awareness out. And that was the, the business that did well. And I ended up um, selling back in 2017 and ended up going into consulting, advising.
0: You had no background in media, really. And you just kind of jumped in and tried to figure it out because it was a passion.
1: I was like, I've always wanted to do this. Why not?
0: <laughs> it's interesting because it comes back to telling stories about philanthropy, about what's going on in a, in a neighborhood, in a, in a community. Why is telling those stories so important to society?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's inspiration. It's a dream maker thing. If someone has a dream and they are like, oh my gosh, I want to do this. And I feel like it could really make a difference. But like, I'm here. How do I get from like here to here? Like, what does that look like? So it's like that that spark of inspiration or, you know, that little bit of like hope that makes you feel like you light up, like, you know, when you're doing something and you feel like you just kind of like bloom inside for a minute and you're like, Whew, that's your whole soul telling you to like bloom and lean into that, yeah. you know? So encouraging others to hear that, acknowledge that. And then what do you do with that? Do so something. Like, yeah. Do something. It's like the hero's journey. You know, Joseph Campbell, it's the, it's the call to greatness. It's the call to greatness. Okay. So the call's there, you're going to answer because like that phone could just keep on ringing forever. You don't have to do anything. You can, you know, you can sit because some people are okay with being okay and that's okay. But my hope is that, you know, it'll inspire those that do want to transform or do want to move that energy and that desire right. in a way towards action, we'll know that it's because, possible.
0: That goes back to your childhood conversations with your mom when you said you want to change the world, but this adds like that reality to it. Like what is what does that mean and how much impact can I have and how do I choose something and take some action to actually start to move the needle in that direction. So you also studied musical theater in college and that probably played a role in, in your view of the world and storytelling and all of that, you know, tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So I studied musical theater all through high school, even back to when I was like 12, I started singing at a very young age, uh, playing piano. Also my vocal coach was on Broadway with, uh, Carol Burnett. She had done like Once Upon a Mattress, like her whole music studio was like pictures of her, her and Carol Burnett, her dressed like a bird. She was like this caged bird in it. And like Carol Burnett was like in this big bonnet. And I was like, oh, so I got really into Carol Burnett as, as a young woman too. And I was like, oh, I like what she's got going on. <laughs> I'm inspired by this woman. So, you know, that kind of paved the way for me too of like how I showed up as a, as an individual and then um, just really love music. So I uh, sing in a band and you know do some stuff here and there with like jazz clubs here but studying musical theater when it came time to like hey what do you want to be when you grow up when like that actually happened and I was going to college I was like Oh my god. What am I going to do? I don't think I can survive in the real world. But it's still a part of me. I still do improv and stuff like that. So it was the ability really to dance in the moment. Like that's really what I what I learned is you could be doing something and you know then all of a sudden um you know this happens and it's like okay, like in improv we call it a yes and so you yes. <laughs> fall into the moment and you're like, all right, well, okay, well, we're here now. So what are we going to do? So the ability to dance in the moment and be flexible, agile, the emotional intelligence that I learned from auditioning and you know getting rejected yeah. for stuff and all of that, it builds grit.
0: It totally so, does. Yeah. And And it's cool that you've also figured out a way to keep something that you're so passionate about incorporated into your life being in a band and being in theater and being involved in, in the community that way. I'm similar with wine. Like I spent a lot of time studying it, but I never intended to do that as my day job. But I love that I can bring it into my life and still have it as a part of it.
1: That's so awesome. Cheers to that.
0: Cheers to that. We talked about this a little <laughs> bit before we even started recording, but doing good has become such an important topic for, for businesses today. And what I've found, at least at Content Stack, is that when we're attracting talent, they actually care that the companies are doing good and that there's values that they can align with. And for us, that's been a competitive advantage because it's always been just a part of who we are. But I'm curious what you think. Like, is that a trend? Is it a millennial thing? Or is it here to stay?
1: I think it's here to stay. Um, You know, there's a lot of of shifts and a lot of movement that needs to happen to make it stick. But I I think we're trending in the right direction. When you look at global trends and you look at where 40% of commerce is happening, it's happening from that millennial age group. So 40% of this age group now, as you mentioned, they're looking at careers. They're looking at what that long-term decision is that's going to you know, get them to where they want to be professionally. They're making their buying choices based on sustainability. So 40% of that age group, they're buying product based on is it good for the environment Is there a social justice element to this? Like they deeply care about the world and what's going on in the world. And, you know, I don't blame them. Look at what's going on. So they're the groups that are like, let's do something here. And I want to support other folks that are doing something. So it's, I mean, it's no surprise that they're um, vetting their career choices in that way too.
0: It's so awesome that we can, we can kind of place a bet on that generation because we need them to step up because Let's face it, our generation didn't do as much as they should have or we should have. So,
1: Yeah, I mean, Liam's 14. He's in eighth grade. And, you know, he is very much in tune about what's going on with monkeys, chimpanzees, ecosystems in the jungle. He's like super interested in that. And then he will create something and be like, I think I found a way to have perpetual energy come through a water mill and drew this whole thing. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Well, Awesome. I'm
0: sure you've had a little bit of influence on him to think that way, too.
1: Well, his father, too, is a scientist and is working on projects in labs a lot. So he's seeing, you know, the pragmatic physical application of science and like the social application. And then, you know, with this new venture, that's, you know, what he hears all day long is packaging and biodiversity, you know, all of it. He's exposed to it.
0: Exactly. And we have to we have to bet on them and help them be successful. I'm going to move into rapid fire since we're about to run out of time. So I usually ask my guests four of the same questions at the end of every show. So I'm going to start with this one. And that is what is your wake up song? (laughs)
1: depends on the day but (laughs) I listen to like Paul Simon a lot in the morning I love you could call me Al I don't know why it's like upbeat so like I'll listen to that in the shower but there's also a song I've been listening to lately called a feel good by Polo and Pan it's kind of like ambient down tempo and the lyrics are just great so I'll crank that in the shower in the morning and you know that'll be like my rah-rah song hey Jude is also a good one
0: If the 19-year-old you asked you today what you should read or what you should listen to, what would you say?
1: Probably this, Ray Dalio, Principles. I don't know if you know his work, but it's really good. He has a really psychological and business view and talks about principles in work and life. So it's very much in alignment with building something on purpose. Personally, probably like Philip K. Dick. Like I love sci-fi. He's like Blade Runner Minority Report. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Can you recommend a wine?
1: Oh, Whalebone Winery is our latest obsession in the home. Um, they have a, a wine that's called Bob. <laughs> the guy's name is Bob. He's from New Jersey. My dad is named Bob, and I'm from New Jersey. So that's probably why I connected with it. But I was like, this is really good. It's like a red blend. And Whalebone Winery, there was like a whole whale skeleton that was found in the vineyard, and it's out near Paso Robles area. It's a beautiful, beautiful winery, and the wine is a good red blend.
0: Awesome! We'll have to check that one out. And the last question: What should our listeners do tomorrow to help them become dream makers?
1: Just keep swimming. Just keep going. That's really it don't give up. Just keep on keeping on and learn every step of the way. Cause, uh, you know, you get up, brush yourself off and you keep on, keep on.
0: Thank you for all of your authenticity and for sharing your stories and for being on the show. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. Cheers
1: to you. Cheers.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Dreammakers podcast. You can reach out to me, Neha Sapat, on Twitter at NehaSF. That's N-E-H-A-S-F. With your comments, suggestions, your favorite wake-up song, wine, or Dreammaker woman to know. Please also leave a review and subscribe to Dreammakers wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, keep dreaming big, building up, and being a good human.